Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Awards Radar Podcast. As always, I'm Joey. And uh, just to let you in on a little bit of a secret, the topics we were discussing before we recorded including included movies you haven't thought about in several years, including Dreamhouse, The Golden Compass, the movie, not the show, and Concussion. So uh, Ryan McQuaid, King of Hot Takes, is here again. Tell the truth. Well, that was, well, you've been canceled. Uh, Miles, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. Uh, welcome to Earth. There you go. Oh, okay. So, uh, Steve, you're the only one who's not fired. What's up? <laughs> That's a man scared for his job. <laughs> I'll say hello. Yes. Um, yeah. We're uh, recording this on Sunday, as always. So, play a little catch up with some news. Talk about uh, what's to come. And uh, we'll kick it off with a question. Uh, Ryan McDermott wants to know, as I pull it up, as we all know, he only asks the, uh, the most important questions. His question is, where do babies come from? That's the actual question. I'm not even joking. Now there's um, conflicting reports about this. Uh, is, uh, we, I give you different things from different sides. Yeah, I give you the exact verbiage. All right. Where do babies come from? I've heard rumors, but I don't buy it. So Miles... Time to time to sit him on your knee and uh, set him straight. Well, Ryan, you see, there was actually uh, a film that perfectly encapsulates the birthing process. It's an older film. You may not have heard of it. Uh, it's called Disney's Dumbo. And there's an excellent scene towards the beginning of the film where there are an army of storks that fly about and they've got little babies in, in, in their uh, in their cloth little things and they drop them off with parents who may or may not have consented to have kids in the first place and who are definitely not pregnant and, you know, just dropping off babies left and right. And that's where they all come from, from the stork guy. What, what's that movie? Was there an animated movie called Storks? There I was a Storks movie. Uh, that from sounds Ni- like a thing. From Nicholas Stoller of uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, actually. There you go. So, you know, just watch that and you'll be all caught up. Mm. My, uh, Ryan, you care to uh, put your own spin on this? Well, I mean, some people think we all come from volcanoes. Um, and then others, it's magical underwear. Um, and then you're transformed into a person. Um, others, it's just a good old fashioned, uh, you know, mommy and daddy really love each other and, and, uh, a couple bottles of Pinot Noir later, you know, you're, you're here on the planet. Um, you know, there's, uh, you know, you're, you could be done in a, in a lab. Um, you know, there's, um, you're just trying to be murdered by every single religious affiliation, right? I mean, you could just show up and just say, Hey, I'm here and let's start the world. Or you were, you're part of a machine and then you're unplugged and then you're able to go into Zion. I mean, there's so many different things that, to answer Ryan's question, but most importantly, just just think, Ryan, that your parents made sweet, sweet love in order to bring you into this planet, and uh, that's all you need to know. Somewhere right now, he's hiring Mitt Romney and Tom Cruise to assassinate <laughs> you. <laughs> I didn't name any names, uh, but uh, yeah, those uh, and uh, oh, you'd be just the, don't get him, just don't get him f- mixed up because if Tom Cruise had magical underwear, like I he'd mean, be unstoppable. I he would be unstoppable at that point. He's been, it's his Ark of the Covenant. And let's be real. You'd name names in a heartbeat. Um, I totally would. You'd be the first one at that committee when the, when the world goes under. Speaking of Steve. Yeah. Where do babies come from? Uh, from my experience, uh, Ryan had it, the, uh, Pinot Noir and magical underwear. That's it. Hey, Combine the which, two. which, which one of you had the magic underwear though? Mm. <laughs> 
we uh, only only she knows. Ah, keeping it under his hat. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, because we're spending way too much time on this nonsense, I'll skip over my answer. Um, because the answer is banging. Banging? Yeah. Banging? Yeah. What about mash? Like bangers and mash? Uh, is that, smash. Is that what we're gonna do? Smash, yeah. not mash. Oh, ooh, yeah. Uh, this podcast has gone off the rails. Yes, that's, that's what we're reestablishing right now uh, with another question <laughs> from Robert McFarlane. Of all the recent Oscar winners, like last five years, which one is least likely to survive a Wonka tour? Wait, you which know? movie is least likely to survive? I'm going to go with probably actors. Oh, okay. So they, they all get on the Willy Wonka tour. And, you know, okay. as we all know, he's a deranged serial killer. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, and they're the, going to be picked the chocolate. Off. The chocolate is just a front at this point. Yes, yeah, so they're going to be front. picked off one by one. Let's let's leave out the writers and the directors because they're sometimes more portly gentlemen and perhaps would would, you know, succumb to the food based ones very quickly. Um, but of the like main four each year, if that's the four, the four children are now four Oscar winning actors and actresses who would be most likely to not be who'd, who'd be Charlie, I guess. You're going to have to remind me who won the last few years. You know you're on an awards podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let me pull up the last five years. Who would survive? So, I, I almost feel like we shouldn't also include directors because they're easily probably the smartest of the group. And uh, like the answer would probably be Bong Joon-ho. Like that dude wouldn't lose. Um, oh, are you kidding me? He'd own the factory within the afternoon. Exactly. Uh, so last year you had Joaquin Phoenix. Um, I feel like there would be like some Joaquin, sort of animal thing that would trip him up. I feel like Joaquin would snap Willy Walker's neck the minute he... Maybe. Him. like yeah. It just feels like he would tap into the you, you were never really there, sort of. Uh, Renee uh, Zellweger, Brad Pitt, and Laura I, Dern. I feel like Laura Dern's the answer from last year. Well, what? She's not surviving? No, she is. The most likely to survive. Oh, she'll definitely survive. I think um, uh, Renee Zellweger doesn't have a chance in hell. I think she's the first to go. Yeah, so so far she's in the pole position, I think, of the most likely to become the, the Wonka victim. So let's uh, let's back up. This is the easy way, just do the slate of, of acting. Then we had Alice and Janney. She'd live. Mm-hmm. Sam Rockwell. He probably just wouldn't go. He'd probably forget what day it was and like realize halfway through, oh, I had that thing. Yeah, Frances McDormand, she'd... Make fun of it the whole oh, time. Oh, no. She McDormand's is totally surviving that. Gary she's... Oldman of the group is the least likely. He'd probably yeah, show up dressed Oldman... as Willy Wonka. <laughs> in a fat, even in a fatter suit. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. do a passable impression. Yeah. Uh, Emma Stone, she'd probably live. She'd just charm her way no. through it. No. she. Well, she does have her uh, comeback experience from Zombieland. Yeah. Two, two times. So... Two tours. Two tours. Um, for, all the, for all those Oompa Loompas she has to fight. Why don't, yeah. why don't we do it this way? Why don't we do year by year all the winners and one of them for each year for the last five years, all the four categories, wins. Mm-hmm. So best actor, actress, supporting, supporting, and only one of them. Because right now it sounds like we're giving an easy pass. Yeah. So, That's fair. So, hey, yeah. so hang on. So we, so far we've uh, we've sent. So from 2020, who do we send? Renee? Yeah. Okay. So go. she's she's Her in that the, accent can go. She's in the bottom, the the finalist, I guess. Uh, she's in the chocolate funnel. Yeah. In twenty nineteen, not Regina King. <laughs> no. Not Olivia Coleman. Yeah. So Mahershala Ali or Rami Malek 
keeping in mind it's Mahershala Ali from Green Book, not Moonlight. But I think well, it's are got, we talking the actors or the characters? That's a good question. This is why we needed more clarification. But I'm gonna go I mean, with. Um, I'm gonna go with Malik because even if even if so, his character dies at the end of the movie. Well, and also, can you imagine trying to eat chocolate with those teeth? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your monsters, but yes, that's uh, Steve, we'll, Steve. Very fair point. We'll send, uh, or, or was that Miles? Miles. That was Miles. Miles. So we'll oh, send. We'll send Give me Rami credit Malik. for my good jokes. Yeah. Sorry, Miles. I'm sorry. We'll send Rami Malek. We'll send Gary Oldman. It's early. I haven't had coffee. And in 2017. Uh, I'm gonna guess by proxy. You guys are gonna send uh, Casey Affleck. Oh, get him out of here! No, I love him as an actor. I mean, possibly. Well, I mean, it, are, are we doing this based off the character of the human again? I don't know. I don't think we decided. I don't think. I think we're kind of like in the middle. <laughs> like I mean, I think if we sent the human, he'd drown who are the other? The who is it? So, Viola so Davis, uh, Mahershala Ali, and Emma Stone. That's. I mean, we can't we can't send his character. He would drown himself in the Chocolate River. He would prefer if he drowned in the Chocolate River. So maybe we yeah, we were doing exactly movie. what he wants. We should. Send yeah, him. yeah. We shouldn't condone that. Yeah, and one more um, year we'll do we'll do this year. It was uh, DiCaprio, Vikander, no, Rylance, Jesus, and who am I spacing on as the other one? Oh, Brie Larson. Brie Larson. Oh well, Brie Larson can go. I guess. See, I would think DiCaprio would go because he wants it too bad. Yeah. He, why would he want to die in chocolate? Or, or no, he would want to win too bad, and that. Would oh, he would want to ball. win. Yeah, he'd, oh, be, the, he'd, be, okay. he'd be the. Well, there isn't like I'm going to win there. So I don't know. He would feel like he would. DiCaprio is like the Mister Supermodel sort of guy, so he might be too oblivious. So to if we're gonna, if we're well. gonna give them like approx- approx- approximations, I think we're the, also letting Vikander off the hook. By the way, yeah. like, so, so let's 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 talk. think about it this way. So let's. That year's bad. Who are the Who are the children? There's there's Mike TV, right? The uh, who's just a normal 2020 child i guess now um there's there's ruga salt who's not a nice person there's the one who eats all the time who turns into a blueberry that's um violet Beauregard. they double down on 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 people who like to eat right with uh, augustus augustus kind of kind of a laziness there yeah. and then charlie who's like a good person right so we got five yeah right that's five who's right? like the nicest person we we just mentioned Nice. Out of everyone. Out of all those people, the nicest? Uh, Allison Janney. Not- or Lo- Laura Dern. Laura Dern. Yeah, I, I could Emma, see that. Emma Stone might be up there. She seems very nice. Yeah, I haven't interacted with her, though. So I can't vouch for that. Well, it's, seems not, right. well, it's not but all you about know what? you, if we were cast, If we're casting it that way, yes, Emma Stone is Charlie. It's not all about you, Joe. It is right? all about me. It's literally my no. podcast. <laughs> Fair. But- <laughs> all right. So let's make, let's make Emma Stone Charlie. And I think that's solid casting. I think uh, I think Gary Oldman could be Augustus Gloop. Well, you know, Gary he, Oldman yeah. as Winston Churchill, yes. Yes, exactly. Like, we shall right. never surrender. Give me another chocolate bar. You know what I mean? I mean, so, I mean I'm, I'm imagining DiCaprio as Mike TV. Like, just give him like uh, like a chocolate oh. uh, with like uh, like shake like an Oscar. I don't know. I think I think more of Malik as uh, as Mike TV because he likes you know because. Uh, Freddie Mercury is very flamboyant, and and you know the the Live Aid concert. And is it just because Mike TV has tassels on his? On his he outfit? might have the cowboy outfit. You know what I mean? So that's fair. All right. I feel so like Rami get... Malek could rock a cowboy outfit. Like I'm not all right, lying. that's fine. 
So we need uh, we need Mean Girl, two larger people, and then hell, let's let's put it let's put a Willy Wonka in while we're there. Uh, well, let's do uh, Renee Zellweger as Veruca Salt. Yeah, she can do that. She can do Mean Girl pretty well. Yeah, she can do Mean Girl really well. Um, um, I mean, Gary Oldman like does a spo- like the fat suit, so I guess he's who, Augustus. Who seems, <laughs> who seems like a... I, well, um, uh, Veruca, though, is, is sort of like... A, is uh, is sort of spoiled, right? Yeah, so, like, I mean, Renee Zellweger has two Oscars. You could yeah, label, that is very spoiled. spoiled. Yeah, yeah, she, well, yeah, she plays spoiled very well. So yeah, that, she that does. For me. Yeah, that, and yeah, then uh, okay, the, so, the blueberry lady, Violet. Violet. Yeah, who just doesn't want to listen to anyone. I mean, Brie Larson's very defiant in a way I appreciate. Yeah. Also, we we can we can finance this movie if we cast her and Emma Stone pretty easily. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> All right, cool. And then uh, let's let's just be weird. Mahershala Ali is Willy Wonka. Holy shit! That I is mean, that's I would pretty. Watch that movie. D- I mean, I'd watch Mahershala Ali in anything, to be honest. And with that's you. how Ryan watched Green Book. And uh, <laughs> bonus casting: uh, Mark Rylance as Uncle Joe. Oh Joe. yeah. yeah. And this is all directed by Steven Spielberg because that has to. Well, no, we have to pick yeah. one of the directors from the la- from this this lineup. Wait, who's going to play? <laughs> who's playing oh my Slugworth? God. Slugworth? Slugworth? Oh, uh, um, Quentin Brad Tarantino. Pitt. Yeah, Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> no, Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell oh, yeah, plays yeah, 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 Slugworth. Yeah. That's so just that's such a Sam Rockwell kind of move. Totally. You're right. like, yeah, I got forty million dollars to play Slugworth for five minutes. You know what I mean? And you sh- and you sure you don't want Inyaritu to make this movie? No, I. <laughs> God damn, it'd all be one take. Oh, it would be like one take in the in the chocolate factory. That that would be kind of interesting. Actually, um, the, no. just about the probably... existentialist despair of. Actually, chocolate. I want Del Toro. I would want Del Toro to do it. Like that. Seems I mean, like that's the, the appropriate person of this list. Though I will caution yes. him and Children's Fair do not necessarily mix. Um, uh, as well as you would yeah, they think. Do. Yeah, uh, they do. Pants Labyrinths. Yeah, but I also saw one. the witches. Well, yeah. But how on hands on was that he with that? Really, I mean, he's a credited yeah, screenwriter that, on that, that movie. That one feels of several. Like a, yeah, that but feels the, like when a, you're when you're several credited screenwriters, include you and uh, Alfonso Cuarón, and you both make a shitty movie. I, uh, I mean, that, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, it does feel though like it's a Bobby Z production. I so. mean, yes, but and Bobby Z doesn't make good movies anymore. Yeah, but I also feel like the two of them knew they were going off the rails and it wasn't working and handed it off to him and he just didn't realize that he was Joe Bobby Z hasn't made a good movie since Castaway so and the walk is good I would make an argument for flight I was going to say are you going to make the argument for for Marwin no 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 one's going to argue for Marwin no Marwin is bad the witches is bad welcome to that you know but uh but I like the walk especially if you saw it in IMAX and uh and Flight, oh, I don't yeah. love, but it's good. Like, it's not a bad movie. Flight's a competent movie. Kind of fair. Flight is. Flight has not aged well at all. And I, and I rewatched it about a year ago and on TV, and I was like, wow, this movie is not good. And the only thing good about it is Denzel, but Denzel can do a good performance in his sleep. And that's literally what he is doing half that movie. So. And he stole a nomination from John Hawks and Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck for what? Argo? Argo. Yeah. Nah, that would have Oh, he was right there in the movie that was winning Best Picture and was yeah, presumed to not, be winning Best really Director. An Os- it's not really an Oscar-y performance, is it? He's just kind of there. 
What else you say that like they don't just give nominations to people for that. I feel like there was something else that year that that you're missing. John not Hawks was John the Hawk. big miss. Well, not just John Hawks, but there's something else. I mean, that was a stacked year. That was a that was one of the more stacked years. But uh, I mean, Hugh Jackman got in. Bradley Cooper got in. Daniel Day Lewis got in. Uh, I don't. Joaquin I got in. Yeah, I'm sure there's a, another. I'll look this up while yeah. while we're moving along. It's not it's not super easy to find out who didn't get nominated. I can do who you did. Can, you can tell by the movies. Yeah. All right. While we do that, we'll move on to uh, another question. So, uh, Ryan McDermott has some filmaholic face-offs. Again, the theme will become evident, and then we'll have a question related to it. Seven or Zodiac? Zodiac. Zodiac. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go Zodiac as well. It's one of the all-time great serial killers. It's his. It's his. It's his best movie. Uh, seven. Zodiac's overrated. (gasps) Oh wow! Joe. The first. I I have for the longest time said the first hour. I love it. Into the so into the first hour into the second hour. I like it, and by that time I've given up. Like that's his worst-paced movie. Oh, disagree. Also, seven is hard to go back to now because of Kevin Spacey. I mean, but he's playing he's still, a monster. He's, he's, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, but he's he, still he, in it and still chewing the scenery. And but I, he's I, still, I did but, watch it recently, and I found it uncomfortable. If it helps, he's say, not credited. <laughs> so I, I will say he didn't get paid. Miles, I rewatched it too, and he's still really good in the film. Even oh, he's, though, he's even great. though, yes, don't I get mean, me wrong, I mean, it's, but it's it's the yeah, world but, does creep in. I would have a harder like, time rewatching it. I would have a harder time with like American Beauty, even though I love that movie. Oh yeah, you, yeah, I, I like that movie. That. You know that what, movie I cannot do at all. The yeah. wildest one that I I almost want to rewatch just to see how weird it is. Have you ever seen Recount? Yeah, oh, yeah. I've seen Recount. He plays Ron. I thought Clay. you were going to say like, the White House the Chief of Staff, you know I mean? the incoming White House Chief of Staff, who is on MSNBC all the time, and by all accounts is a lovely human being. He was played by He's played by Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. Yeah, I my, bet he doesn't. I bet he new, was talking about that. At Thanksgiving. Oh, my new goal in life is to is to be able to ask. You want to meet him to ask like, him that question? <laughs> yeah, I want to. I want to meet the power broker to the president and be like, so I have a question about Kevin Spacey. And I bet you that's how you never get interviews ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like at that point when you're dealing, you feel like with, that's a good icebreaker. When Bring you're up Kevin Spacey to all the day, stand? I feel like Kevin Spacey might be preferable. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. It's like, oh, I don't want to talk about national security. I want to talk about what is it, Jay Roach's recount? A movie yeah, I'm sure he hasn't thought about in over a decade. Yeah. I don't know. If somebody made a movie out of your life when you weren't famous, would you remember it? Depends on the movie. Recount. I mean They made they made it they made a B level not B like bad, but like B and in like A B C D. I remember Dennis Leo being really good in that. I remember Laura Dern being good in it. And Tom Wilkinson, like, yeah, Laura Dern in that, that movie. too. Yeah, and Tom like Wilkinson. like every HBO movie, it's very sturdy, it's and you never so watch stacked. a second time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Miles will get one of those one day. Yeah, Can't he just wait. he always tells people they made a movie out of him. They just never he never says how it ends or who played him. <laughs> he made a movie about the worst moment in my life. Uh, the Social Network or Gone Girl? Social Network. Social Network. Social, Social Network. Yeah. Though I would have picked Gone Girl over Zodiac, by the way. No, I would I yeah. would make the argument that Social Network is Fincher's best film. It's his second best. I, it's Zodiac's me, in my top three, but I, uh, Social Network just, it's like I just, the most I, important movie of the last decade, I think. 
I think you're underestimating how important and how influential Zodiac is. We, uh, well, I love Zodiac. I'm not going to argue against. Zodiac. I mean, like it's Zodiac is sort of Zodiac. Zodiac is sort of the in the in the dooms of time, right before we start getting into really this wave of podcast murder mystery things true crime stuff really taking over the zeitgeist and i mean that's the thing about fincher is he's always ahead of the times right i mean sure. like gone girl is a perfect example we, we've got a movie at netflix sitting in the wind called woman in the window and that's a direct descendant because of something of the success of gone girl like the girl on the train shit you know shit like that but that doesn't work is they're all trying to sort of figure out how fincher cracked the code and it's just because he's a great filmmaker mm-hmm. probably w- the best filmmaker of his generation like that's it that's and that's not something of a hyperbole to say because i mean he came from a strong generation of directors but he consistently if you look at his movies is ahead of the curve in every fascination but i but like social network is is i mean that is a movie that is way ahead of its time and even now, ten years later, it's it plays more like a horror movie than it actually does a drama. Well, like real life actually makes that movie scarier as it goes along. Yeah, because he he and Sorkin like predicted half the crap that yeah. we are now dealing with with this with this place. Which is and why I really want to see like them reunite for a sequel. I think that would be um, phenomenal. No, I just I think I think that the legacy of this movie and how it just is just there. I think it's proof enough, and you don't need to sort of tap into it anymore because like they they just have enough but that's just me i mean if they if they did a sequel miles i mean like i'd be i'd be there for sure we all would be there i like how you spent uh, you filibuster on how amazing he is how he's ahead of times everything he does is amazing followed by i don't want to see that movie <laughs> i i just that was the internet that some, was the internet summed up in one sentence <laughs> but sometimes i don't need a sequel to it because it's perfect enough as it is mm-hmm. and i don't and i want to let you know what is it let uh, sleeping dogs lie or something like that. Um, is well, it, yeah, it, they're, the they're sleeping. Why would you? Why would yeah. you disturb yeah. the dog? Why Don't would you want to wake it up? So, then why dick. would you want to ruin a masterpiece if you know it doesn't work the second time? I Enough sequels. I, I would argue that the original film is there no matter what you do. Exactly. Like Swingers isn't any less of a film because Made came out. Made's a follow up, not a sequel. They're not playing the same characters. It's you a did, spiritual sequel. Did you watch it? No. Oh, exactly. I was like, I, no, I thought I got I, you I'm, to watch I'm Swingers. Familiar with it? Yeah. It's not as good, but it's it's just different. Uh, here, the fight, fight Club or the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I'm going to say the Fight Club, the... but it's very close. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Fight Club. Fight Club. But both are very both are very good, and it's very close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the game or Panic Room among oh. the forgettable two. <laughs> Panic Room by a country mile. The game is the worst film David Fincher has ever done. Okay, I completely agree with you there, and I'm also going to go Panic Room. Panic Room. Uh, I'm going to go Panic Room, though I do like the game. I love me some Jodie Foster too. Can she do more acting, please? Like she's when she's on, she's the best actress alive. Uh, And then Alien Three or Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Benjamin Button. Not even. Not even a question. Ben Button. All those buttons. Button. Yeah, yeah Benjamin Button. I'm not a huge fan. Um, I mean, like, here, here the I'll give ending you. Ending of Ben Button. Oh my God. So heartbreaking. I, I love it. I'll give you here. I'll give you my Fincher ranking 1 to 11. Keep in mind, I like all of them. Uh, 11, Alien 3. I think that's kind of obvious. It's also not a full movie of his. 
Uh, 10, The Game. 9, Panic Room. 8, Dragon Tattoo. 7, Zodiac. 6, Gone Girl. 5, 7. 4, Mank. 3, Ben Button. 2, Fight Club. 1, Social Network. I have mine, Joe, if you want. You can. Okay, I'm going to go from uh, 11 to 1. Um, so, 11, The Game. 10, Alien 3. 9, Panic Room. Uh, 8, Gone Girl. 7, Mank. Uh, 6, Fight Club. 5, Ben Button. 4, Dragon Tattoo. Um, 3 is 7, uh, Social Network 2, Zodiac 1. Fair enough. Okay. Well, I got to get hop on this train now. I'm, I'm going to do it from 1 to 11, though, because I can't think about it in reverse order. Sorry, uh, I have it written down. That's why I'm out. Same. Uh, no, you're good. Uh, I'm doing it off memory, but I've thought about this a lot. Uh, one for me is Social Network. Two is Fight Club. Three is Zodiac. Uh, four is Dragon Tattoo. Five is Seven. Six is Mank. Seven is... Um, shit, what's left? Now I'm blanking. Gone Girl? Yeah, seven is Gone Girl. Eight is Benjamin Button. Nine is... Um, you got the two forgettable ones in Alien. Oh, yeah. So nine would be Panic Room, 10 would be The Game, and 11 would be Alien 3. No, you got to flip Alien 3 in, in The Game. Alien 3 is unwatchably bad. I will say I if like- you watch the... Um, so uh, years ago, they put out the Alien Quadrilogy, and I uh, bought it on DVD. It was like $90. I remember I shoveled snow for it. Not a bad choice. Um, it had the director's cuts for all four of the movies. And Alien 3 doesn't have a director's cut. It has, like, an alternate edition or something like that. And Mm -hmm. I will say all of the extended cuts are really good. Like, Alien is just more Alien. Alien's great. Mm -hmm. Aliens has has more about, like, her daughter. I love that. Like, I I like the edition there. I would have watched that movie. Alien 3 um, didn't change the setting, obviously, because they couldn't. But had this uh, sort of religious undertone to it. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Like, it doesn't make the movie necessarily better. It makes it less bad. Like it feels more like a movie like the um, yeah. there's the there's this one like deranged prisoner who interacts with the alien and, and sees it. It calls it a dragon. Mm-hmm. And like that's kind of cool. Like releases it at one point, like as the as the, the prisoners and, and Ripley are like, you know, quartering it off and, and sort of taking care of it. Um, and getting it out of the way, he's like releases it and back in like the dragon, like it's a it's a mystic thing to him. It's just more of a there's more personality there, even though I'm sure it's still like not what he was you know necessarily planning on doing. If I ever told David Fincher something, I would tell him that I know you don't like the movie, but Alien Three is the second best Alien film in the franchise, <gasps> and you did a way better job. At getting the tone and consistency of the original film, yeah, but he's, uh, he's then you then James Cameron did. He's so well researched. You'd be movie. like, but we hear that you hate James Cameron, so I can't take your compliment on face value. And I think, Good and day, I sir. think he would, I think he would also agree with that too. I don't think he would be a fan of Jim Cameron. He would make you repeat yourself seventy five times. Yeah, that's fu- that's fine. I will repeat. I don't like to. Oh, okay, no, yeah. I didn't like the way you did. Do it again, uh, Steve. How about you? That's Do you have a you have at least a top couple? Uh, Zodiac, Social Network, Seven, and Gone Girl, and after Fair that, enough. oh, Fight Club. It, it's tough because they—they're all so good, right? They yeah. are. And, I, yeah. I don't dislike any of them. There's just you know, for me, the bottom three are. And and I have Mank at seven, 
but it's only because I've seen it once, and I feel like it could rise. It's possible. If, if upon rewatch, I'm the same. I, mean, I only it's... just saw it on Friday, and I'm still processing it. Sometime. Oh, did you did you like Miles? Yeah, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, it's great. Oh, yeah. But I mean, it's also like Fincher's movies have this great thing where you, and I think that that's why he is, and he is possibly the best of his of his class is because his movies age so well like very much so i mean they and they demand rewatches which is exactly what you want they're i mean demand is the wrong word i have i so i have uh, i have a similar theory but i i hate when people say it demand i think if you need to watch something twice the film oh, no, 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 it's not like, yeah, it, it's re- not like you need to watch a Nolan it, film. Rewards is the better yeah. view. I hate when people it's say like, demands because yeah. if you have to watch well, it does demand twice, it because you, the movie you're, you're watching great cinema. Yeah. That's why I say I, like, it's not because like, yeah, you know, the sound doesn't work like in a Nolan film or, you know, for some people. Or <laughs> like I, so, so I would. It, so here's an example. Like, I think the sixth sense rewards the second viewing because when you watch it, the twist holds up the first time you watch it. If you don't know what's happening, you're 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 stunned by the twist so yeah then same, you, same with the happening it, no you're stunned all <laughs> just, right uh, i'm just yeah you're stunned all right you're that like, one also rewards a, re- a rewatch for different it reasons it does when you're drunk yeah but when you can <laughs> when you watch the second time and you go okay so they didn't notice he was there. oh that lines up you just you start going through all the things and it works that's oh, yeah. that's rewarding or like in his case you know the 75 takes for everything creates a seamless vision that when you watch it a second time, you go, oh, okay, I'm, I'm following along just as well. There's no boredom that's set in. Whereas, you know, plenty of movies that are great, you do you do potentially have that scene where you're like, oh, they just need to get this done. It was lunchtime and they moved on. And there's not, there isn't mm. that one. So as a Fincher fan, I'll let you go first, Ryan. The follow-up question to that is, you get to tell Fincher to make one more making of drama a la Mank. For which film do you choose? Oh, my God. Um, like That's a behind a good for question. a for a movie, he yeah, like, like he, he uh, gets he gets hired. You've got a script here. It's uh it's ready to go, and it's for the behind the scenes making of X, and uh, you you get Fincher to do it. He's he's he secretly likes this movie, and he signs on the dotted line. You just have to say which movie it is. Uh, Michael Kamen's commented already saying it would be mind blowing if he did a making of movie about the making of Alien Three. <laughs> so you can't choose somebody one. where he casts yeah. someone to play him where he casts somebody to play him yeah that's Wait, ryan funny. mcdermott um, even said great answer all the caustic wit of one of his interviews stretched out the future length but you have to choose a different one that's um awesome. i know that they're doing um a thing for the godfather um I so I, I i won't i won't pick that um because i know that he watched uh uh, he watches a lot of weird movies fincher he he you know i i listened to him talk about joker and i was like oh my god david fincher gave that the time of day so i would love david fincher even though i cannot wait for this thing to be released so then we can throw it in a in a pit of fire um i would love to see david fincher do a film on the uh justice league sort of controversy and the snyder cut uh. thing just so he can take the most cynical angle at this because that is what david fincher is he is one of the most cynical directors of all time so he would take the cynical approach of it and make that nobody in this situation looks like a hero they're all the villains of this story in that you know 
and it's not even about i wouldn't even do it about the the whedon stuff which i mean which could be a fascinating thing to look at of how bad joss whedon would look i would like him to just cover these reshoots that cost 70 million dollars because that feels like a david fincher thing for sure for him to cover five minutes of stuff that's going to be added for an already bad movie and show exactly how bad Hollywood is. It would track a lot with his, you know, depictions of, of, of Hollywood and, and how, you know, the studios are run and stuff. I think that that would lead to a fascinating film from him. How and much, plus it's, it, how much did it how hurt much, you not to say the avatar sequels? Oh, I don't, th- I think that he could do the avatar sequels and it would be sort of like the founder it would be about how it's the like the avatar sequels are the biggest ponzi scheme in american cinematic history and how and he could title it like how a man steals a billion dollars um so yeah i mean he could do that too either one um i would like him to do something where it's it's not a beloved film it's like a controversy and him sort of tackle into what he did with Mank, um, which Miles and, and Joey, you know, Steve, I don't know if you've seen it or not, Come to my- um, which it, uh, which it's like a very cynical film. So look at that and sort of continue that style within a cynical sort of nature. All right, Steve. I'd go Jaws. Oh, that's good, too. It'd be a great. Uh, the angle of just watching a young Spielberg, a young future legend uh, in the industry the production problems, the budget problems, the feuds, you know, there's a lot that goes on in that, uh, in the making of that film, I think. And also we know how it turns out. It's a, it, it turns out to be a classic film. And I think it'd just be really interesting to see this mess, uh, from the inside and, uh, knowing that 50 years later, is it 40 or 50 years later, we're still talking about it. Yep. Miles. Uh, so I'm going to I'm going to do a non-conventional answer rather than any single movie. I want to see him uh, tell the story of um, of Bob Iger and how at, during his tenure at Disney, he took this company that was already this pretty massive entertainment monolith. And under his tenure, they bought Marvel. They bought Star Wars. They bought 20th Century Fox. And then in a single year, they had seven films either from them or associated with them that hit over a billion dollars. And this sort of mass commercialization of the entire entertainment industry that flows from Disney now owning all the big franchises. Justin Timberlake playing Iger? Oh, I love it. Ooh. All right. No, uh, yeah. Well, all right. Hear me out. Okay. David Fincher. The making of Eyes Wide Shut. Ooh. Hmm. No, I'll do you one better. David Fincher, the making of AI. Spielberg trying to do uh, Kubrick. Oh, that's good. I I thought about another one, if you guys are... Fine, because my second one was uh, the making of Caligula. (laughs) (laughs) That would be good. That would be very good. I thought about um, uh, Fincher having to... uh, do the making of the last temptation of christ mm. and the response to all mm. that that would be good or or even even crazier would be what if he did like the passion of the christ and sort of like a, an anthology of religious films that would be that's the new hbo or new netflix show that he needs to do is like because we really haven't seen like fincher tap into religion since seven you know what i mean and no so, probably not 
And so it would be very interesting to see him sort of tackle into that because nothing is more probably potent for his cynicism than a take on religion in, in Hollywood. Yeah. So um, I will say uh, just to make something serious out of my, uh, my joke. If, uh, <laughs> if you want to hear something funny about um, Caligula, there's a documentary called skin, a history of nudity in the movies, which is actually very good. Um, it's not like, you know, a TNA flick. It's like an actual legit doc. And, uh, to listen to Malcolm McDowell talk about Caligula is phenomenal because he was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm watching when he watches the movie because he's like, I made a movie and they just put a porn in the middle. Um, it that, that movie, if you explain to someone who's never heard of it, what it is, is phenomenal because you're like, by the way, um, Gore Vidal wrote a screenplay. So you're like, oh, cool. That Malcolm McDowell then co-wrote. You're like, oh, um, uncredited with Bob Guccione of Penthouse Magazine. You go, oh. And oh. Malcolm McDowell's in it. Oh. Helen Mirren, Peter O'Toole, and John Gilgood are also in it. Oh. And it's also yeah. porn. Oh. Oh. <laughs> but it's also wildly <laughs> violent. Oh. But there's like porn scenes tacked onto a regular movie. Oh. If you're looking for it, it's on Hulu right now. I wonder, is it, I, I imagine it's not the um, unedited version. No. Yeah. Skin, the uh, history of uh, nudity in the movies. It's from earlier this year. It was made last year. The guy who made that documentary um, also made a trilogy of movies this year about cult films that are very good. Um, Mm. Three volumes. One is on um, like the midnight movie kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, One's on horror and sci-fi and one's on like comedy. And they're they're very good. I forgot about Skid, but yeah, that's one I need to add to the list. Yeah, no, he's like, he's an interesting dude. He gets a uh, pretty yeah. good access, and then the people who are like aren't are only like tertiary, like very like side characters to the story that he interviews are just interesting people. Like, I don't remember what Gary Busey has to do with any of them, but wouldn't you want Gary Busey in your documentary? Hmm. Like commenting on what's going on. It's, Ooh, yeah, yeah. I thought you were about to say <laughs> David Fincher, the making of Rookie of the Year. No, I was going to say David Fincher in the making of the Twilight Zone movie. It's only about one scene. It's that it's like that uh, psycho yeah. documentary. No, it could yep. it could be about the director. Yeah, it could be about the murder. Yeah, Mad. I read David about Fincher it. David Fincher loves some murder. Pretty shocking stuff. Yeah, the rise of of that person's son, who is an awful human being as well. So, I thought you were about to say his son comes to avenge his. Uh, the tragedy. This is just just the Frank Grimes Jr. episode of uh, yeah. of Fincher's uh, Uber. Um, all right. Yeah. Let's uh, let's talk about what's gone on. We had Thanksgiving. We had uh, mm-hmm. here's some news that I think might is a little interesting. Uh, the streaming services are slowly but surely getting bigger films because it yeah. looks like uh, Godzilla vs Kong is going to go to one. Um, mm-hmm. I find that. Like not that's nece- not a good thing. I see. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing because here's your here's your issue. We at best will be partly back to normal mid spring. Yeah, yeah. So towards the summer. So yeah, that means right as the summer starts. That means still, I don't necessarily think a, a New York City or a Los Angeles County uh, movie theater will be open. 
No, I don't think you guys will be open until maybe the end of summer. I I would. July. I mean, I there's yeah. yeah there's yeah. a there's a like percentage that has the the vaccine that I guess would have to be reached. I don't know. There's a scientific answer for that. Hopefully, more based in science than money. But another story there. So if you're if you're putting out a movie, almost any movie, you really have to plan on on the home more than the theater right now. Whether it's the premium VOD, which we we don't quite know how that's gone. Sounds like it's gone decently for some films, but you don't know. Um, yeah, they're not going to release the numbers. Well, that's the thing. There, so you you have different you know tiers if you can sell the netflix or hulu or disney plus or hbo max that's one option just sell your film make back what you what you did maybe make a few dollars profit call it a day wash your hands of it we saw um was it paramount or sony do that with trial chicago 7 where they just yeah. were like we They're just like here take it well there yeah they, they were like this cost us 40 million to make we were going to spend 20 or 30 to market and then the 20 or 30 to try to win Oscar. Can you give us $100 million? We'll call it a day right now. Netflix mm-hmm. was like, sure. Done. And then they're going to get all the credit. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And win at least an Oscar or two. So, yeah. So, that's mm-hmm. one option. There's what we just saw with uh, Super Intelligence, which is not a good movie. But oh. Warner Brothers, you know, was like, we could if we charge people for this, it's not going to go well. <laughs> HBO Max content shifts it right over there. You know, so there's, there's, and then you had the Wonder wi- Woman. Yeah, the witches mm-hmm. do the same thing though, where they're like, and you have one Wonder Woman coming out with the dual in theater release as well as um, on HBO Max, which is I've always said the right move. It it appeases both. Where if people want to go to the theater, they can go to the theater, and if not, they can watch it from the comfort of their homes, just for like what fifteen ninety nine a month. Oh yeah, you're gonna they're gonna lose. Mm-hmm buttload of money over this but yes oh yeah this is the only scenario where it works you can't uh in a normal scenario do that. but they'll also be able to release it overseas yeah and where things are a lot better than here and they'll be able to make at least some money i mean i I know people think i'm nuts and i've I've said this all year but but that i know joe but like the tenant thing is that's 350 million dollars that they have more than anybody else at the studios this year from a, from just a oh no that one was film. that was a very and specific scenario where I, I actually I think it wasn't a bad idea it didn't work but didn't I understand work, but it was if we would have I think if they would have done that with Wonder Woman like then and maybe done Tenet at the end of this year like what they're doing with Wonder Woman now if they flipped it yeah I think it would have worked think, out better I think you needed you know to I mean? not I think here was here was the issue on the one hand putting out the Christopher Nolan, like, film Twitter, like, bro-y kind of movie invites writing about the movie that's not kind to the movie. Also, exactly. apparently the movie is lesser Nolan. I'll find out next week, no, I think. It's, it's, but very, it's very good. I'll get to it's it. But here's the thing. Yeah. So on the flip side, if you're Warner Brothers and you're just thinking about, we need, we're, we've decided we're going to be the canary in the coal mine because God knows Disney's not going to be. You know, no. most of these other studios are not going to be. If we're going to take a risk, let's take let's do it with the person who we want to keep happiest. And he's the one who wants this anyway. Fair. You know, you but also but also too like I would have tried it with Wonder Woman because that's our most optimal chance of making as much money as possible. That's true. Also also appeasing the the most appeasing lose another director that they want to keep in house. Yeah. But I I think if you made them pick one, they're going to pick Nolan. 
I know they're going to pick Nolan, which is, I mean, obviously it's that's terrible. But um, yeah, because but also I think Nolan's not going to go anywhere but Warner Brothers. Like he he loves uh... it there. They give him the freedom. They give him the freedom that he wants. Nobody's going to nobody. I guarantee you this. He's not going to Disney because he doesn't like them, and that he, going somewhere like Sony or Universal. Um, they would have to bend a lot, and they're not as bendable. The only, the only with options him as for him to do the way things the way he does right now are to stay at Warner Brothers, where they let him have yeah. the run of the place, go to an auteur driven place that would have to meet his price, like an A twenty four, and I don't think they would ever do is, that. They don't have the money for exactly. That. I think an A twenty four or a Neon, if they were at that level, would a hundred percent say, "Come make." Oh, anything he would you want. jump on that ship exactly. Or and he's not gonna and he's not gonna do Netflix exactly. Netflix I mean, is the other place has an that indifferent would, relationship. Exactly. With him. Yeah. So I think I do think there would come a he, day where he would do a Netflix thing, not necessarily his movie, but I could see him bringing a show or something there as a test. Right. No, if it, if if he's gonna do a show, it's it's still gonna be with Warner's, and he's just gonna do it on HBO. Probably, yeah, but I could see yeah. if they. I don't not that they would ever pass, but if it actually, went out, I could see him more with someone like Amazon than I could see him with Netflix because they at least honor the theatrical release. Maybe, but if he was, but films. if he had a, you know, let's say he was was doing Batman at the time, and he had, you know, wanted to do like like what they're doing now with like Gotham PD or something like that. If he had had a spinoff, or if he had mm-hmm. had a like, you know, I want to do the like Aaron Heck, Aaron Eckhart Harvey Dent show, like a whole season mm-hmm. of a show as him just being the DA before this i could see him in that world have been like i don't really care where it goes netflix will pay a ton of money you'll finance this go ahead have at it yeah. but that's no, a that's fair that's a side issue so we're talking about way better movies than than most of the godzilla and kong series so far yeah but, i mean that that series has been doomed i mean it, i don't know what the numbers were for um king of the monsters but that meh. movie was terrible yeah the movie wasn't good godzilla yeah. did well Kong Skull Island did well. Did a, King did of the Monsters well. made money, but wasn't was comparatively was, a disappointment. It was a very forgettable movie. Like if I yeah. told you that movie came out last year, people would be like, "That came out last year," and you know, it's it's yeah, that movie. Me and my wife. The only good thing about that movie is the 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 monster fights. The human stuff is just bullshit like, i mean they're like it's just terrible they're transformers like, you know, movies except you can see what's happening when big things fight yeah, yeah but I, just I, cooler I, they're cooler because they're in more of that. the mythology they have yeah. more of a mythology with the original stuff but i get you sorry I, Miles, what you or well, i was gonna say with the transformers movies like i mean the the giant fights are absolutely indiscernible but like the human stuff at least it's like weird and interesting and everyone's screaming all the time. The human but, stuff yeah. in the in the recent Godzilla movies, people are always like, oh, well, the old ones, it was about the humans a bunch of the time. The humans in the old Godzilla movies were nowhere near as boring as the ones that are in the current Godzilla movies. Like, I much prefer I much preferred the ones in the what is it, Gareth Edwards film. I, I, the, fir- the first Godzilla I like a lot. I like the Nolan approach yeah. to Godzilla. I get it that, yeah. you know, you got like two minutes of Godzilla in a two and a half hour movie. But I, I thought that was cool. I like. I, like I thought it was like cool. sort of a build-up in suspense. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting way of doing it. I, I granted it. It's one. Of, it's a one-watch movie. Like you watch it again, you're like, okay, I, I got you. But I like when it you the make first a, time. When you make a cast of Kyle Chandler, Vera Farmiga, Charles Dance, Millie Bobby Brown, Ken Watanabe, and Sally Hawkins, all just feel like nothing. Bradley happens. Whitford. Bradley Whitford, like, like. 
those are great actors and you give them nothing well the problem is that's not on the that's not on the actors that's on the filmmaking yeah well the problem is also that story picking up after godzilla like the world is sort of in tatters sort of and then gets more in tatters like there's just oh we have one safe place we can be in. we're just gonna hang out here most of the movie and watch monsters fight um meh but uh kong skull island was fine yeah i like kong skull island yeah i mean again runs into the problem of like I want to watch a movie about King Kong, and here's a bunch of random monsters, but, you know, cool, I guess. That movie's kind of interesting. It's interesting. I mean, it does have, it has good visual effects. Yeah. In a business sense, so what, why have this go to HBO Max? Is it, is it going to save them money? Because it seems there's no anticipation for this film. Well, that's, yeah, that is the problem. That's the thing. That's the thing is that they're going to dump it there. Well, you have a movie, so here's the idea. You spent, let's say, $200 million on a movie no one's excited for, um, hoping you can get two groups of people who kind of like begrudgingly went to see a movie to go see this movie. But if you were going to come out in, let's say May, so this movie was coming out this year. They already, they pushed it the next year. If it comes out in May, yeah, you're not going to do it. Like, like here over the weekend, it was a big deal that, um, the crudes too made, uh, over $10 million this weekend. That was like, Oh cool. Movie theaters are sort of back $10 million worth of families who don't like their children, apparently. But, <laughs> If that's where the theater theatrical experience is right now, even though let's triple it as a thirty million dollar opening for that movie, that's terrible. You you need to open bigger than that, especially if, at a movie that you got to mention is not a word of mouth movie. So at the same time, Netflix offers two hundred million dollars to buy it, at least two hundred million covers your budget. They haven't marketed it. Would you have? God knows if any of the uh, images we've seen of it are official images or just fake ones. There's no trailer. There's none of that. So. They haven't really spent any money beyond making the movie so far. Netflix would have like content because that's their thing. Whereas HBO Max, you're not making any of the money off of it, but you own all the rights still. I don't I I feel like yeah. the answer is that if it's just about money, you would sell it. If the idea is we want the property and we want to like drum up some HBO Max content, I guess you 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 keep it there. I, I mean the assumption is I wonder if they're going to do the Wonder Woman style thing and have it open Maybe. where available. They might do it. I mean, they they have at this point, they have to. What's the best way of saying this? Um, they have to do something because of the fact that everyone has moved everything into 2021. Yeah. All the eggs have gone into this year's bat, this upcoming year's basket because they refuse to find a way to embrace VOD to work with the theaters in you know understanding that they're not going to make a billion dollars that's the mindset that these studios have to think is that these temple films are most likely going to make 50 percent to 60 percent of their budgets if they're very lucky here in the united states they're going to have to be giant international players and streamers for the most part here until a vaccine lands um and and so they have to get out of the sense that they've been over the last you know, decade of a billion dollars is a financial success. Any money at this point in the hundreds of millions is a success given everything. And the refusal of doing VOD or working with, you know, the, all the studios working together or um, working with theaters to have them sort of stay alive uh, by releasing new content so that they could, you know, screen new things and, and market stuff out there. They have put themselves in this position that, 
that's why a Wonder Woman is going on HBO Max, or that's why a uh, a Godzilla versus King Kong movie is going to end up on HBO Max, or there are going to be more movies. Like you know, Disney has a ton of stuff. I would not be surprised if a Marvel movie like a Black Widow ends up on H or on not HBO. I would be surprised Plus because of the fact that. One, that's a prequel. And two, they have four other films as well that they're trying to release in 2021 yeah. to their slate that are going to be ready to go. And they also, these streaming services do need content. They're not like Netflix. Netflix has a ton of content continuously being filmed and made, even at this point. And if not, they're just going to keep buying stuff. Uh, the How are they not? Uh, that's the that's really going to be the thing about most of these streaming services. How can you justify the cost of me spending the money if you're not providing me new content? Like they've had what? Like uh, Disney Plus has had The Mandalorian pretty much. And that's it. Uh, in turn, that's hit the zeitgeist. Like they haven't had. I mean, you look at a, a Netflix had a show about chess that was six episodes long and it became a phenomenon on their platform and that's just a that and that's not including at the same time then a couple weeks later they had the new season of the crown and that they'll have new seasons of everything else like they these other studios that have these streaming platforms have to figure out what the hell they're going to do how they're going to market it and what movies are going to go over there and what movies they're okay with taking a little bit of a risk on going on their sites and and if they have good numbers they need to temper their expectations. One, I think it'd be Shang Chi that goes to Disney Plus. If it's one of them, they're not going to oh, risk. Oh God! If, Black if that's oh no, that's no, no, about. no, However, no, 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 no. I do think that there's a missed opportunity to have teamed up with the theaters. Yeah. So now you have you now you have theaters suffering. You have studios trying to figure out what to do. They there was a I don't know if it would have worked, but there's there's an idea that you could have, and I don't know if anyone else has thought of this idea. So maybe I'm smart, maybe I'm not. Um, you team up with the with a, with AMC and Regal and whatnot, and you you basically say, you know, we're we're fucked this year. Like that's just the way it is. So why don't we come up with a, a revenue sharing idea where uh, you know the theaters open, but they're not showing movies. So you could walk into your local multiplex and buy a ticket to see a movie. So instead of spending twenty five dollars on VOD, you're spending the same sixteen that you would have had, you know, or whatever that you spent for the movie. Your ticket has a has a digital code on it, like you get when you buy a Blu-ray or whatever, or when we get sent a link to watch things, you know. So you're spending the same amount of money. They would maybe share the revenue a little bit differently than they normally did. And if you do it, we send we give you a popcorn, you know, or something like that. So you're 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 giving some semblance of going to the movie. Still, you're going to pick up your ticket, or you can buy it online from from you know Fandango or whatever. And everyone's taking a, a you know a haircut on this, but there's still some revenue coming in. So if you're, you know, Regal or AMC or National Amusements or whatever, or Cinemark, you can you can tell your shareholders, you know, listen, we lost, you know, 70% of our revenue as opposed to 90, 95, 100% of our revenue because we're not open. You know, this is yeah. this is our this is our like, you know, free fall, but we're going to steady out at this number, which is bad. But it'll stay at this until we can raise up. So we're just, you know, this is why we... Uh, Keeps them afloat. Yeah, save for well, a rainy exactly, day. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to that, like, it's a joke, but it's also kind of true, that tweet of, like, 
how are these companies declaring bankruptcy? You charge me like $80 for a popcorn and a soda. Like you couldn't save a little <laughs> bit of that money. Like it's, yeah. you know, I mean, it, instead of charging $10 for both, I mean, five, you know, Joe, you, you read my old piece at, at, at award circuit and, and I've interviewed these people for the theater chain here in San Antonio that, that were one of the only theaters open during the, the sort of heightened, uh, rush of the pandemic back in June and July. And what they, what they did was movies, uh, like all their tickets were $5. Their concessions were $5 and everything that they had was, was $5. It was a flat rate and they were able to keep their doors open for four or five theaters within the city, you know, within a giant, you know, place and able to pay their employees as well. Like, I mean, obviously they'd like to have it at more, right yeah um and they did charge for refills like it was like two or three bucks for a refill which i mean i think is fine and fair um since you know they usually would give out free refills for a ten dollar upgrade so that's still let's say you get everything at a refill your popcorn and your drink you're paying eight bucks then for all that as opposed to it normally just being with the free refills ten bucks or more that's a that's a hell of a steal and then the you know obviously they the tenant ticket prices were the were the same and everything right yeah um so you know it, it it boils down to how are you going to handle this financially how are you going to make it all work and some of them have been proactive some of them haven't and they've and this is the amc has nobody to blame but themselves and regal and cinemark and all those places have nobody to blame but themselves because from my sources and the people that i have talked to they literally went down to texas including the government too and came down here and looked at this model looked at the numbers saw that it worked and they didn't apply it so at the end of the day too i'm not going to feel sorry for these people either nor the studios because the studios didn't get proactive and the theaters didn't get proactive and so when we're all sitting here going well why aren't theaters open it's like oh it's because they didn't work like they didn't do their jobs much like congress like they're, they're not doing their jobs put their feet to the fire put these people's feet to the fire as well like they had the you know <laughs> it's sort of like the 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 stupid thing about like that movie the snowman right i give you all the clues mr detective yeah right it's like i gave you the clues and i gave you the blueprint and you didn't want to do anything because they were so nervous because they all have that mindset of billions and billions of dollars in the head and it's like take the millions the millions are going to be but, fine because it's going to keep the lights on. But to tie into what we were talking about before, a million dollars isn't cool. <laughs> you know what's cool? Yeah, but you know what's cool? Keeping your fucking job. You know what I mean? Like I think keeping, this is... Keeping theaters open. <laughs> I think that's a perfect point to move on from. Uh, yeah, Godzilla versus Kong probably coming to a streamer near you. Uh, one more question, and then we'll, we'll we'll probably close up shop because by the time we record next week, um, I will be able to talk about news of the world. So, You're one of the final uh, X factors will be revealing itself. But uh, Michael Rossi says, "Please dive into this year's best actress race." Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, I feel Zendaya might shake this race up. Um, that I don't think is going to happen, but that's another story. Mm. Um, for those of you who don't know, I believe he's talking about the um, Sam Levinson movie that Zendaya made with John David Washington in quarantine, which is going to, I believe, get a qualifying run. Uh, Hope Springs Eternal. I haven't seen it, so I can't say anything about it. 
but I don't know that she suddenly jumps up and breaks into the lineup, but who's to say? Um, right now, here, I'll give you my my list. And uh, it's not, you know, I think you can you can cross out, you know, some of the, the groups. So I'll say, in terms of people who have any semblance of legitimacy for an award, um, you have Julia Garner, the assistant, long shot, she would have to start popping up at every every award. I don't think it's going to happen. Elizabeth Moss, The Invisible Man. We thought about it earlier in the year when there weren't any movies. There's more movies now. So as good as she is, I don't think this is going to be what does it for her. Jesse Buckley, I'm thinking of ending things, would make Miles very happy. But she has... I mean, it would, but at the same time, I don't even know if it's like an Oscar-y performance. It's a great it, performance, but... It's the kind of one where we would only be considering because we have so many fewer options to work with. Exactly. And having her at 14 seems about right for me. Um, it's an indie spirit play for sure. Exactly. So. Um, yes. Here's one. Here's two that I feel like had the if the movies actually came out would be a possibility. Angelina Jolie, Those Who Wish Me Dead. Taylor Sheridan's uh, direct, uh, next directorial outing. But um, my guess is it's not coming out unless it's going to do the thing I've mentioned before. You know, Sundance going to Sundance at the last minute, but I my guess is not. I, I feel I don't like see a Taylor. I don't see a Taylor Sheridan film like going to Sundance and changing the world. I mean, that makes. That I mean, makes it sense. went to Cannes and got a Best Picture nomination when he did. Uh, yeah, yeah. Water. I, I I get you, but I just no. I don't. I, I, I but I, I mean, if you're it. if you're you know, my guess is it goes to Cannes mm-hmm. because you know that tracks. But I mean, he went didn't. Uh, um, the last one he made, I'm spacing on the name of it. Wind River. Yeah, yeah that went to Sundance, and yeah, that's came true. And did and did do all I right. Did. Like it was, it wasn't handled well to get nominations, but was in the hunt the whole year. No, no, I, I, I agree. I just, I don't, I don't see that one being a. Oh my God, Taylor Sheridan made the film that's going to win Best Picture. No, no, no. Or, but you know to, I mean? so to that, that's what I mean. Get Jolene the actress, but uh, here another one in the similar boat: Jessica Chastain, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Um, if it was coming out, you know, who's directing that? Um, Michael Showalter of the Big Sick, huh. and the and the Lovebirds. Lovebirds is cute. But I went with his best movie though. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I know. I just people. But yeah, on this me. is another example of like if I knew the movie was coming out, it would be higher. Uh, Eleven, Michelle Pfeiffer, French Exit. I don't care for the movie. I don't think she's like particularly amazing in it. But I I would love her to get in. But that's an indie spirit play. Yeah, at best. Uh, Sienna Miller, Wander Darkly. She's very good in a movie. I unfortunately think six people will see, but you know there is this. Have w- you seen it, Joe? Yes, I saw it a while ago. It's pretty good. Oh. Um, it's not like phenomenal. It feels it's one I it's one I missed at the Hamptons. Yeah, it it so, feels like nice. a '90s movie to me. Not in a bad way yeah. necessarily. It just feels like a movie that they made at the time. It kind of feels like the serious cousin to like City of Angels. That makes sense. Yeah, like yeah, it's well done. Thinking, yeah, that's what I was um, going to buy from. She and Diego Luna are very good. I I think it's just another one of those movies that like falls through the cracks. Though there is that little bit this year of things that might fall through the cracks could come back to the surface because you don't. You never know. Yeah, like you don't know what people are going to uh, flock to you because who, you don't have the events in the same way. Yeah, you don't know who is also going to vote. 
I mean, I, mean, I feel like I'm, everyone's I'm in, gonna vote, but you don't know what I've, they're voting for. I've I've already said yeah. I've, I think I've said it on the podcast, but I've said it to like actual like people at the studios and publicists who are running these campaigns. Like, it's a different world because you don't have these events where you know I go to you know you send me to to the Russian Tea Room to listen to Bohemian Rhapsody. And you go, oh, yeah. Rami Malek is talking about, I, I can see the way they're paying attention. Like, I think he might win the Oscar. But you're also listening to what else they're liking and what they're not liking and what they haven't yeah. gotten to yet. And you get a sense of, oh, every single person is talking also about this movie. Okay. No, you know, wait, the I Academy's guess. talking about Black Panther? Okay. That's that's interesting. They don't normally do that. So you just don't have that sense beyond talking to the people whose, you know, contact information you have. So, you know, while I, you know, in the last couple of weeks was like, oh, I guess I guess Affleck is, is just going to be forgotten about. Warner Bros. just did an event for him with SAG. And yeah. you just don't know. Yeah. Like, that movie's yeah. easily accessible. Maybe all the Academy has seen it and likes it. And when they come time to vote, they're going to be like, well, I don't think I'm going to give him the Oscar, but I definitely want him in my five. Like, I like that performance, and I just came to it naturally. And that's the thing. Like, movies that a voter comes to naturally, they will fight for more. Than... Isn't it also, like, too, Joe, like, a movie like The Way Back, or or you mentioned Invisible Woman, like, too? In the back of my head, I start also thinking about, like, what if the studios also, what if, like, the people that are voting also think about, like, Oh, that was a studio success. Oh, that was like before yes. the pandemic hit. Oh, I mean, like, wouldn't we want to celebrate some movies that actually went to the the theater and like excelled? There will you know be I mean? voters like, who do that. There'll be voters who do yeah. just like there's voters who are going to vote for Tenet in Best Picture, not because they think yeah. it's one of the ten best films. No, because they want to celebrate it, and they want to they want to the celebrate the Invisible Woman. Yeah, you know, because it was a gigantic success. Exactly. You know I mean, I mean, it was. For the first quarter of the year, that was the movie of the first quarter. Yeah. Like, so, you know, and people slowly forget about that because of pandemic takes all of our. Exactly. Lives remains and remains to be seen how many voters are of that, though. So, here, now we're into the top 10. That was num- Sienna Mill was number 10 in actress. Nine, Meryl Streep, The Prom. When in doubt, put her somewhere in your top 10 just in case. I suppose that could also be for Let Them All Talk. I'm going to watch that later today. Um, but that also seems like kind of like a lark. Uh, Amy Adams, Hillbilly Elegy. She's fine in a movie that's not very good but she's amy adams and she does get in quite a bit she also misses here and there so i don't think she's she's out of the running but i also don't think you can predict her safely uh Mm -hmm. seven kate winslet ammonite see conversation about amy adams (laughs) i kind of think this like i kind of think the top six are the likely six now there's there there could be you know the that's the thing about like a kate winslet amy adams even Meryl Streep situation, they have a rep, so it's very easy to to just default get marked and, off. And they're campaigning. Yeah, and so it's, you know, in this world, it's not hard for a voter to go, eh, I like her, I, I voted for her before. I remember going to an event and she was very nice. And that's that's easy enough. But I feel like the top six are the likely six. So my number six is Sydney Flanagan, never rarely, sometimes always. If there's a breakthrough, like, new actress, welcome to the club type nomination, she's the one there. And I remain convinced that film's going to do better than people expect. Like it didn't like blow anyone away at like Gotham, but Gotham never does that. They don't, you know. No, they never. They never. I mean, well, different groups, never vote, different have, different voting. Yeah. They're they're basically like ten different awards because every award is voted on by a different group of like six people. It's very easy to. It's very rare to get more than two nominations out of that group. You know, the, yeah. the leader always I mean, has even three. no even no man land only got two. Exactly. And you that I mean? so 
you can you can easily see the never rally sometimes always path which is to do well at the spirit awards to get sydney flying into sag to you know maybe surprise at pga and suddenly there's there's your like big small indie movie that's not a streamer Um, they can get her at, at globes yeah and that'll be huge so that's that's a possibility i i she just misses right now because one number five is sophia loren for the life ahead there's there's who's probably going to take votes from Amy Adams and Kate Winslet and Meryl Streep and Michelle Pfeiffer because you have like, okay, who's your who's your big actress like star? Oh, we have a legend, you know, in what may be her final performance. You never know. But so I don't think she wins, but right now it's Netflix. I I would be surprised if they don't package their actresses together right now and go, We're gonna get three of our four in. You know, three of our five, let's say. And okay, you don't gonna go for Amy Adams and Meryl Streep, but you're gonna go for these other three. So I have Lorraine at five. I have Carrie Mulligan at four for promising a woman because a lot of people still haven't seen it, which works in its favor, I would say. Everyone who's seen it largely right. wait yeah. raves. So if you're a voter who's sort of catching the buzz, it's on your radar. Yeah. All rights reserved. And if you haven't seen it, you know, so if you've seen it, you know. If you haven't seen it, you hear the buzz and she's fantastic in the film. Exactly. And she's she's a prior nominee. There is that sort of chatter you hear from some people like, Oh, she's due for another nomination or even a win. So that's a decade. Exactly. So there's, there's a lot working in her favor. She still counts as the young sort of ingenue thing that they like. It's a very cool movie, but also in this like weird year, you can, you can sort of trick voters and being like, it's not too cool for you guys. Also, look, you did, you did parasite. It's got a, it's got a movie with a message too. Exactly, and it's a and, message and, that and they lo- fits. and they love that. St- yeah, I mean that's the same thing with Sydney Flying. That's the irony of them both being um, uh, focus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like the problem is it's very hard to get both of them in. <clears throat> and then I think that and I think that promising is more accessible than never really sometimes always. Um, and so that's no, it, because it's more entertaining. Like it's more entertaining. Never really sometimes though I will say, always that is a it's a slower burn. That is more visceral. It's just, it's just, and also it's, it was earlier in the year and everything. Promising Young Woman, it, it has all the tones and everything. They're both, they're both good films. I prefer I, Ironically, Young I Woman. agree, but I also think Never Really Sometimes Always can slip into Best Picture where Promising a Woman will get labeled as like a genre film and not. Oh, like the screenplay, actress play, and that's it. <clears throat> yeah, right? I think I have, you know I think I have Promising a Woman in screenplay and actress. And I have never really just missing actress getting into picture and getting into screenplay, I think, yeah, or just missing. Yeah. So yeah, it's one of those like odd. I have to. I I mean, I'm reserved on never really. Sometimes always right now. I'd like to. I it'd be interesting if it did get in Joe. But I mean, like at this point, I'm I'm I'm. There's a lot of films in picture. Yeah. There's uh, also the a race, tiny so. bit of advocacy there, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> no. I'm allowed. I to. got that. <laughs> um, so here. I got that. So I think the when you get to winners, though, it's probably between the top three. Though I would love to see Carrie Mulligan win. Like of that. Oh, yeah. Like I'm gonna leave. If she her, won. I mean, that would be one of the best winners in decades. Yeah. Like for sure. She would have to start taking over the precursor season. So I'm gonna leave her out of the winners right now. But keep an eye on. I think it's probably between Francis McDormand for Nomadland. Viola Davis from Ma Rainey, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman. I have it in that order. Kirby, Davis, McDormand. So I have Vanessa Kirby winning right now just based on maybe them not wanting to give someone a second or a third Oscar. But I also have always cautioned they don't think that way. Miles, have you seen have you seen 
most of those? Uh, I don't think I've seen any of those. (laughs) I mean, I've heard, I've heard promising young woman. I'm especially excited for, but, um, just based on what I've heard, um, from reading reviews and talking to you guys, I, I, I agree with you, Joey, that we often think about it in terms of they don't want to give somebody a second or third or whatever, but voters rarely think like that. So for that reason alone, I would almost say it's Frances McDormand's to lose. Mm-hmm. I think she's more likely to win yeah. than Viola, for sure. Yeah, because, well, one, Joe, I don't know. Uh, Joe, you've seen Ma Rainey. I have. Um, and, I've, and I've seen it. I think, and I know people think I'm, like I said, it's the continuing phrase. People think I'm nuts. Um I I think it's more of a supporting performance. Sort of. It's a it's a it's a straggler. It's, I it's very it's very and it's it, and it's not the thing I remember leaving no. in that film. She's I remember Chadwick. Yeah, she's good you in the I mean? movie, but also I've she, she's been she's better. Fine, like she's big in the movie. She's, she goes she's big. All hell of a lot better in the last August Wilson adaptation than she is in this one. Uh, and I think that that's yes. something you could play into it as well. Um, and with Vanessa Kirby. Um, that movie is, and I know we talked about with Sidney Flanagan, very visceral. That movie is very visceral. That movie also and has an I, issue that's going to hurt it, it in, uh, yeah. in picture. I got like our, our former uh, writer and current friend, Joseph Braverman has, uh, has been banging the drum for that movie for a while. And, uh, keeps saying that if you have her in actress and she's winning and you have Ellen Burstyn supporting actress and she's winning. I do have both of those things. You need to have the movie in your best picture lineup. Uh, I disagree because oh, you don't know winning an Oscar for acting does not necessarily I don't think either correlate. one of them are winning at this point. I, so I think they're both winning, but I will caution you that, you know, cake walking to an Oscar in one category does not necessarily mean coattails. Uh, Judy didn't do anything else, for example. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think, uh, I think you also knew this- that, Renee Zellweger was winning for the last like four months of the season. Yeah, but the performance the performance is okay too. I w- I wasn't really taken by the film. I think it's I think it's a okay film, and I think there's stuff missing from it. And I think the so the movie has an I, amazing I the ending, opening. The sequence. ending is the the ending is terrible. The mo- ending's not um, great. It opens really well and never quite recovers yeah, from the first half hour. No, no, no. It can't sustain the momentum of the forty minutes. But of the opening and there are good minutes, stuff in between. But, I think that 40 yeah. minutes is enough to win her in her Oscar though. I think in the same way that sure, you know, especially in supporting, even though it's not quite the same thing, one scene can win you an Oscar. I think some, to some degree, one scene can win a lead performance in Oscar also, but I just, I, I'm of the opinion that the movie will get dinged where the film will not. Like, I don't think it'll get into picture and director and screenplay. Whereas no. you could wind up, it could wind up getting all three of his actors in. Like Shia could get in too. I think he's a little ways yeah. away. I, he's a little. He's a little bit in like a, a six through ten or a ten. He's also stuck right in now. the like. Is he lead? Is he supporting? And I don't know that they've made a decision yet. I think um, he's supporting. I think he is too, yeah. but I don't know that they've officially said so. Just because I think yeah. they were they were kind of like indifferent to him initially, and figured yeah, it would be. Yeah. I think they figured it would be just about her when they bought it because that's kind of what. And Burston. I don't even think when they bought it, they thought about that. Because when they bought it, they were going off the festival reviews that mainly just praised um, Vanessa Kirby. Kirby. And then the wave of, okay, Netflix owns this, we're showing it to you guys, went as hard for the the other two. In some cases, harder. Um, Like, I I also have the opinion that um, Shia LaBeouf is missing 
like one more scene, like one more scene to like finish that yeah. character. He gets in. He uh, he kind of like, he comes back around or something. He doesn't. Yeah. That was the thing. They yeah. they they almost write him out of the movie at a point where yeah. you wish there was more of it. But whatever. We'll talk more about that when more people have seen it. So, Wait, quick question. So when does Nomadland hit for general audiences? And also, what's the Oscar window? At what point do films have to be? End of February. Like, so it's like late February. February twenty eighth, I think. February 28th and so No Man Land is screening for a week in December, December. on a virtual it's coming out on yeah. Friday it's coming out on Friday so for a week the, at, tomorrow on, if you're when you're listening to this yeah on um, a New York Film uh, Festival's website for virtual screenings for like a week and then for everyone it's around February 12th I believe Joe or like that week of February 12th or so that's when yeah, it's so, supposed to do a a actual theatrical limited sort of run and everything into so it can hit the qualifiers. Yeah, so but initially qualified. So initially the plan was comes out on December 4th, which is I believe tomorrow yeah. if you're listening to this on Thursday. They then, you know, the world ended. So the Film Society Lincoln Center is where you'll be able to virtually watch the movie for a week starting on the 4th. Then, February 19th, theaters are scheduled. Who the hell knows? That could also turn into a broader uh, VOD situation of some sort. But yeah, the, the current plan for Nomadland is you can you can buy a t- virtual ticket to watch it at home starting on December 4th until December 11th. Then you have no opportunity until february 19th unless you're a voter or member of a guild i suppose uh joe i i have i have but we haven't talked about mcdormand and um look i think i think that no man land is going to do about five six maybe seven nominations at the most at this point um i don't seeing it being the the broad but it's going to be a very loved like it's going to be a very loved film this this season right i mean yeah it's gonna get picture it's gonna get director it's gonna get actress it's screenplay. Get screenplay there's your four big ones not editing wait, cin- and then no yeah editing that, cinematography that could, i mean maybe that's where i it's it's not a traditional they, below the line they, tender do, so they, you never know yeah do they do they try to do sound do they try to i mean that's why they try to make a campaign for like production design and say like they built the van and everything my like, my expectation know. is it wins um adapted screenplay if anything otherwise it's it doesn't win see, anything see my thing is i think this is the representation that it wins i think that france is winning a third is the the best spot for it it almost feels like a favorite coleman situation it's possible though i do it's think not strong everywhere else i do but think, it is strong here i do think you know, there's a possibility a, of so we we kind of joke that the you know the the older white male uh segment of the academy also likes their you know younger white actresses um mm-hmm. and we and they've you know somewhat been shamed over the years of like you you know the older actresses the harder it is to them to win or win a second time or win a third time but the first time you get a chance to reward the the hot young thing you give it to them which i i would argue more often than not they're giving it to an amazing performance they just happen to be attractive there are some cases where you that you've you've gone oh okay i know what why your vote was the way it was but i think this year because it's as more so than ever before a secret ballot because 
you're not going to be at any events to like mingle and schmooze and, and be like, hey, who are you voting for? Oh, I'm voting for Vanessa Kirby. Really? You know, I'm voting for Sydney Flanagan. I'm voting for uh, Carrie Mulligan. I think a lot more people than maybe normally will just vote what they feel like as opposed to, oh, Frances McDormand gave that amazing speech and then they made a, they explained how, how invested she was in the role. They're not going to do these Zoom conversations in the same way that they go to an event, you know, and get their free drinks and and listen to the actor and shake their hand. So I, I do think that with the right campaign for a younger actress, they win over the the like distinguished veteran this year in this scenario because they they don't have to worry about like the blowback of oh you didn't vote for the legend nobody knows what you voted for so i i'm of the opinion that i think you're going to see a little bit more of that especially in actress and especially if they go supporting actress Mm -hmm. and they tie those two in and you see kirby and burston win you could also rationalize it as a voter as oh well i gave i gave ellen burston who's who's would be, I believe, the oldest winner ever. Um, yeah, but combined I, with not, a younger actress. I I gotta tell you this though, I'm I'm still not out on the on on close at this point. For I mean, years. it's a possibility. I I think she's going I mean, to lose a lot more buzz as the weeks and months go on. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, say what you want about Hillbilly Elegy, and I have, uh, um, <laughs> and and whatnot, but uh, she's the best thing in it. And she's actually really good. Uh, she's good in the kid, in the little, in the kid, the younger, in the kid, and there's, and those are her Oscar scenes. Yeah, right? I mean, we're like the car scene alone, where like she, where he throws out the calculator. Yeah, I mean, they're, like, they're that's, fine. That's good enough. They're not like really Oscar scenes. They're they're but fine. Not, but but Burston scenes too. Like it feels like she's a scene or two missing, just like Shia. I mean, she like, she I mean, yeah to some degree. She also has the same problem that um, Michelle Williams had, which is. Her best scenes are also really good scenes for someone else. Exactly. So, so it's like it's it, it's hard to pick it, and then like yeah, but at the same time, with, if, even if even Viola Coleman, Viola, Michelle Williams has an Oscar, she wins. For yeah, that and then, <laughs> that's true. But then like Coleman and the father, I mean, supporting actresses is so hard to pick at this moment. Yeah, like we can do th- somebody will emerge. We'll do that next there. week. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the but, hardest uh, category but, to pick. Right now, though, I will also say just to wrap that up, uh, Amanda Seyfried could also win an Oscar. I think she could too. I mean, I think she'll they definitely gotta... be nominated for Mank, one hundred percent. Yeah, she's but she doesn't have a scene. I I think the scene where they're walking around in the zoo, she she gets a fair bit to do. Is that is that hers though, or is it like just kind of like a co thing? I mean, you could also like I, I think because Oldman's mainly listening to her for the majority of it. Yeah, I mean, I he gets so. his own little look in at the end. Of I, it, think, but I think I think the I mean, do. also if you don't care about like showcasing the actress's like best scene and just want a like nice moment to show, you can do the, the that thing where you know I hope you won't hold it against me if I don't do that, and I hope you'll forgive that's me if I do. Scene, like though. that's true. Yeah, true. That's, a good scene. that's almost yeah. that's the closest thing the movie has to an Oscar scene. Yeah, I know, but like you know how it goes, Joe. Most of these performances have to have a scene. Even like Laura Dern last year, she that 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 film is riddled with scenes for clip reels. I mean, you know I mean, um, to some degree, so, we'll see. I mean, like same with Allison Janney against like Laurie Metcalf. Like you know, even though Metcalf has scenes, I believe, like Janney has more biting scenes, yeah. right? Where she just gets to be sort of you know extremely you know snooty and 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 Janney esque, yeah. kind of a badass. Fair it, enough. So. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap up now. But 
I, I have a suspicion that next week we'll tackle uh, supporting actress. Also, uh, we we lost the the body of Darth Vader. Um, recording this yes yes yesterday before we recorded that happened, so it'll be a week by the time you listen. But uh, if anyone would like to uh, mention anything Star Wars related, the floor is briefly yours. Guys, <laughs> I'm a lady. I've talked a lot, so I don't have anything specific. But yeah, just rest in peace, David Prowse. I think he always got a bum rap because when he was cast, he didn't know that it wasn't going to be his voice in the film. So when he mm-hmm. watched the final film and saw James Earl Jones had dubbed all of his lines, he was very understandably upset. And you know, for somebody who spent the majority of his later career mainly just at cons and things like that, it's easy to forget just how much he brought to that original trilogy and you know so much of what we think about Darth Vader yeah it's the voice but it's also the physicality it's also the just the screen presence that he has in the costume yeah. and i think that can't be understated yeah it's yeah. A, it's he's one half of the team that created the greatest movie villain of all time and it you know James Earl Jones is the voice but he was the body and and uh, i mean those are him fighting that's him fighting um you know mark hamill in those scenes and and you know all those iconic shots and finger points and everything uh force chokes and all you know so um yeah rest in peace and i mean we're losing way too many people from the original trilogy in terms of cast members over the last couple years and it's been kind of sad yeah 2020 sucks so here we'll wrap up you can uh, tell everyone where to find you, and you can, in honor of him, I was going to ask about, um, you know, by, what would your ideal movie body and movie voice be, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to honor him better. What character in a movie would you like to redub with your own voice? Let him take it back. Um, so a movie character where you would like to have your voice be dubbed over, and that's what movies have from now on so if you <laughs> if you take james Earl jones away and make yours the darth vader voice that's the only one we got so choose wisely and we'll go um miles steve ryan oh okay i gotta come up with something quickly um yeah. all right i'm gonna well you can find me on twitter at miles on film that's m-y-l-e-s on film and i'm also on instagram at marvelous miles although i never use it a uh, quick shout out, go watch my short film, American Exorcist. It's on YouTube now. It's great. I'm very proud of it. And uh, as far as a character that I would put, you know, I'm going to say Thanos. I'm going to be the voice of Thanos. Not bad. Not bad. And and like, I don't think anyone's missing any sleep over Josh Brolin losing a job. Exactly. He's He's got enough to work with. And he's yeah. great. Don't get me wrong, but. I don't know. I mean, I we, know. I'd we like to slip in there. We also did just fine before he was cast as Thanos. Didn't mind. Exactly. All right, Steve. All right. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at film snork. And I think I would go with silent Bob. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's not... Fair enough. That's a good, an- that's a good answer. Ryan. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Ryan McQuaid 77. Um, and, um, uh, if I could do a, uh, a voice and dub over it, I would, I mean, I can do a really good golem. So, but I don't want to take away from Andy circus. I mean, he still gets, um, he still gets the motion work. Yeah. He gets the motion work. Um, I could say that or, um, oh God, I mean, 
I would narrate. Uh, fuck. I'll just do. I'll narrate Hillbilly Elegy because I could do a hell of a lot better job uh, than the actor that was doing that. Gabriel Gabriel Basso. Yeah, yeah. He was just. I mean. That's what took me out of that movie more than anything else. I don't, um, I don't know. That, I don't know that you're raising up that RT score at all, but you know, I I, I think that knowing most of you guys and all my friends on RT, you would you would at least give me kind reviews more than the rest of the film. But uh, no, I would probably just do uh, Schmeichel from Lord of the Rings. Fair enough. That. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Letterbox, OnlyFans, all that. Um, Joey Maggotson. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna right a wrong in my mind. I am going to be the voice of the Kardashians, just so they don't take <laughs> don't take those those horrible people seriously anymore. Because how can how could you watch that show when they say all those stupid things, but it's a 33 year old man's voice coming out? <laughs> like I, I I hate very few. I didn't people. know TV shows were involved here eh, either. I thought of it at the moment. I, I hate very few people in the world, but I, I really hate those people. They're, they're the epitome of being born on third base and acting like they hit a triple. And I, I, <laughs> exactly. I can't, yeah, I can't no. stand that. Like the, anytime I hear like self-made yeah. from a, from a celebrity, I, I yeah, it's ridiculous. urge to kill rising. So that, and they, you know, also encourage Kanye West. So, and that nearly caused a problem this year. So, yeah, you know, no, for sure. Exactly. So until next week, that was this week's nonsense. Uh, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and send us questions. And uh, eventually we'll be on iTunes, so you'll give us five-star reviews and all that. And uh, maybe I'll send you some shit if you do that. So like every other podcast, this is this is nothing new. But uh, until next week, uh, you know, wear a mask. Be safe. Take care. We love Bye you. Bye now. Bye.